Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for Season 9, Episode 6. This one was the case of the Kansas City Butcher. I was joined on the show by one of the hosts of the amazing Generation Y podcast, Mr. Justin Evans, uh, who's a Kansas City resident, lifelong resident, so he had some some personal interest in this case. Uh, The real name of the man that was coined the Kansas City Butcher was Robert Berdella. Uh, Interesting case. A lot to discuss. Uh, obviously, gets away from you know our, our typical, but this whole season has gotten away from our typical wrongful conviction stuff. Just to just to have discussions about case that it's a chance for me to discuss some case that I'm interested in, but they don't really make for typical truth and justice podcast content. So we got several questions from you. I know Zach is is once again went above and beyond and done some extra research. So let's go ahead and get started. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are up at four, baking pastries at five, and open at six. Hundredth cappuccino by eight, two hundredth customer by nine, and there's still 12 hours to go. That's why you need a business broadband that works as hard as you do. Introducing Sky Business. With 4G internet backup and our stay connected guarantee, that's better business. To find out more, visit skybusiness.com. Sky Fiber only, 30 second 4G activation or one off credit. New customers, Pro Plus packs only. T's and C's apply. All right, uh, Mike, before we get into your questions, Zach, I want to get a little bit of your thoughts on the case, but I do want to give kind of a trigger warning for any of you. This this case, the crimes that were committed by Robert Berdella were extremely graphic. Uh, we'll try not to get into too graphic of details, but just, just so you know, this is definitely not one you want to have your kids around for. And if you're bothered by some of that stuff, again, we're going to make every attempt to try to not get really graphic with it, but just be aware as we move forward. And with that being said, Zach, your thoughts on the Kansas City Butcher? Actually, this is the first time I've ever heard of him. You know, I've heard of Jeffrey right. Dahmer, but I've never heard of this guy. And in the case, I mean, I've listened to a couple podcasts this week about it, just mm-hmm. trying to get caught up. I actually looked for documentaries and couldn't find any. Do you know if there's any out there? I think there's one called. Uh, so he had, he had like a weird craft shop place called Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a documentary at some point 
that was titled something along those lines. It was like the Bizarre Bazaar or something like that. But okay. it wasn't like the Kansas City Butcher. I think the title was something related to that. Yeah, I was just surprised that I couldn't really find, I mean, besides podcasts, I couldn't really find a ton of information about him in that medium. Right. You know, but I, it was, it's alarming. I mean, it's, it's extremely heinous, the, the crimes he committed. Isn't it bananas that, that we don't, don't know about him and never heard about him. The only reason I knew about him was from listening to Justin and Aaron's podcast mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, how the hell have I never heard about this guy? Especially in today's day and age where true crime is so popular and there's every other day there's a new Netflix documentary coming out on all these different serial killers and things like that. And I'm not much to really get into that type of stuff mm-hmm. because I'm really into studying human and criminal behavior. I do watch some of those, not for this, like, oh, I'm really interested in serial killers, but I'm always interested in thinking, like, people that do horrible things, like, how how do their brains work? Mm-hmm. Like, how does a person get to a point in their life where they're comfortable doing the things that some of these serial killers do? Yeah, the stuff he does is, is very far out there. And I almost wonder that's why you haven't heard that much about it, is because it's the, the details are so gory and graphic. I mean, it's almost horror movie style. You know, and so I think somebody on the on the fan page mentioned something along those lines. And yeah, I mean, this is the 80s. Maybe some of that stuff has tried, you know, they try to keep it from you. But then you think, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer was happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we heard all the gruesome details about him. So I, I, I don't know. I, that's all I can think of is because he was being overshadowed by. And I should have looked up what other notorious criminals were, you know, things were happening. You know, you know the Unabombers banned some of that during that time, mm-hmm. too, I believe. So like. Were there other things that were happening that overshadowed it? Like that was somehow we never heard of this guy? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. So real quickly, just, just to recap, uh, Robert Berdella, he was, I, I did a little more background into him. He was actually a very bright guy, as we see a lot of times with serial killers. He got great marks in school, top of his class, went to the Kansas City Art Institute or something like that. That, that does sound right. Yeah, went to college, had good marks, and then he kind of took a turn. He was kind of like socially maladjusted, kind of, and through high school, so it's not like he had some of some physical and emotional abuse from his dad growing up, uh, which could be part of what you know what created who he was as an adult. Um, when he got into high school, when he got into that college, he started getting into some weird stuff. You know, he there were some animal cruelty issues. Yeah, I believe he got kicked out of the program because of that. He, it's yeah, I, I think it was one of those. You know, he agreed to leave, so they didn't kick him out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there was, yeah, like he cooked a duck for art or something like that. Yeah, he tortured a duck at some point, and he also killed a dog for art. Right. Quote, unquote. Yeah. We know from his journals and from them just finding some of the body parts that he had six victims Mm -hmm. that he had had killed. And he would would take them, you know, usually it sounds like he would kind of offer them always these – adolescent, young, you know, between teenage years to early 20s, homosexual males in a time where it was not really socially acceptable to be a, a homosexual male, which is so that so you're dealing with people. And, and just side note, that's part of why some of these cases we're picking to talk about. To me, the more interesting part is, is to take a look at where we were as a society and get in some big, we've got some episodes coming up that kind of really get into some deep discussions off off of some of these cases but at that time you know homophobia was rampant and it was it just you know it, it wasn't really socially acceptable to, to come out as a homosexual 
And so he would take these guys that were down and out and offer them a, you know, a helping hand, supposedly, and then he would bind them, torture them, and and take you know, he was a bright guy, would would do things to 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 ensure that no one caught him. You know, like I said, you know, putting caulk in their ears and putting acid down their, their voice box so that you know their 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 larynx so they couldn't they couldn't scream and you know and just doing horrible things like that. And then he would keep them captive for months and rape them and torture them until he ultimately would kill them. And then, you know, they called him the butcher because then he would, you know, chop up that part of the way he was getting rid of the bodies was to chop them up and just put them out with the trash. You know, and a side note, you said that there's, he pled guilty to six victims. Right. They have what they believe is 19 different individuals in the photographs. Right. There's hundreds of photos that he's taken and they have about 19 different individuals in the photos. They don't know whether... He killed them. He killed them, or they escaped and never came forward. Right. They they have no idea. And that's another thing. Part of that is what is, you know, such an interesting look at society mm-hmm. in the fact that you have, I don't remember if it was 19 including the six or 19 additional to the six. It sounded like it was 19 in total from yeah. what I heard. So say another 13 victims of some kind mm-hmm. that they have photos of these guys being tortured and being bound in this house. Nobody knows what happens to them. Nobody knows what their names are. They never came forward. So either he killed them also, or if they escaped, or if he, you know, he, you know, he escalated to killing them at the beginning, he wasn't killing them. You mm-hmm. know, if he was torturing them and letting them go, that they wouldn't even be comfortable coming forward, which that's still, it's still something that goes on today. You know, I, th- I think, I don't remember the statistics off the top of my head, but sexual assaults, with you know specifically women but i'm sure also with with males as well is like the most underreported crime in in our country right now mm-hmm. you know because women you know when say a, a woman is raped and she comes forward you're dealing with they don't believe you or the the horrible act of some of the victim blaming that goes on that oh well she was drunk so she was the way she was dressed she was asking for it or she was living a high risk lifestyle so it's her fault and, and so a lot of times these crimes don't get reported and it's tragic. And I'm sure if these guys got away, that's probably the reason why we never heard from them mm-hmm. is because they were coming out not only saying that, um, you know, dealing with what I, I, I'm sure would be a feeling of shame, although there should not be shame for being victimized like that. But, you know, the, the feeling of shame and then also the fact that they would be coming forward and admitting that they were homosexual, which, again, at the time would not have been treated well. And you can see that with the, you know, with the arrest, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't really taken that seriously when he escaped. Yeah. The, the individual that escaped the survivor, Christopher Bryson, when he escaped, he actually got out of the house and the first people he came across, he basically lied to and said that he was kidnapped by a man and a woman mm-hmm. because he didn't want people to know that he was out there doing these sexual acts. Right. Yeah, so it's it's a tragic situation, but I you know I I hope the point got across, and if not, I want to make sure it does. That you know, one of the things I really wanted to focus on was what I consider to be the heroism of Chris Bryson, because you know there were many victims before him that you know if they got out, they just disappeared. Which mm-hmm. again, I'm not blaming them; it's understandable. But for him to have the courage to, to instead of just being I'm free and get the hell out of there to go to the police. And went to the police not because of what had happened to him. I mean, par- I'm sure partially because of that. But the first thing he told the police was, "There are photos of other men that are dead." 
Like you need to go check this out. He's doing it. And, and so he put a, rather than only focusing on himself, he, he took the extra steps to make sure that this man was stopped. So he didn't continue to hurt anybody else. All right. Let's get into these questions, guys. All right. Our first one comes from Chris. Did no other victims that survived come forward? Is the guy that got away, which ultimately resulted in the capture of this animal, still alive? I, I don't believe, and you, and you did a little more research on it beyond the podcast and the research I've done, but I, I don't believe any of those other victims have ever been identified. I, yeah, I, as far as I can tell, nobody's ever been identified. Yeah, and all the research I did, we just have the names of the six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way he disposed of the bodies really, I mean, helped cover that well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds horrific to say, but I mean, that's the truth is right. he would dismember the bodies, put them in dog food bags, and then put them out to the trash, but right as the trash would come. Right. So there wasn't a smell. So there wasn't anything. a smell. There was no reason to think about it. And there, didn't they also find bodies in his yard, like buried in the yard? They did find bodies in his yard. Yeah. So it seems like that was part of his kind of escalation was... Mm-hmm. Or is evolving as a, as a serial killer was. He started burying him in the yard, and at some point realized that that was probably a bad idea. As stories have it, one of his victims he he buried the skull in the backyard, and mm-hmm. then on the next victim buried the skull in the same spot and took the old skull back into the house. I don't know how true it is, but it's just one of the well, could, a lot of the details we have just are because he journaled it. Mm-hmm. You know, so details like that I'm sure came from the fact that he wrote down that that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the other victim. Chris still being alive. I, I do not know the answer to that. He kind of disappeared. I, I, well, there ended up not being a trial because he had, uh, Berdella had pled out, mm-hmm. you know, confessed to the six in order to avoid the death penalty. But it, but also there was, as, as it got closer to a potential trial, I believe that Chris Bryson disappeared then, that he didn't want to be subjected to whatever was, whatever was going to come of him testifying at a trial. I do believe at some point he was going to testify, and they offered him to be videotaped. Right. And then, then that kind of went to the wayside. I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, that. I don't remember the details of it, but I know he didn't say he didn't want to be in the courtroom with him. And he just, at some point, it seemed like he wasn't going to testify. Mm-hmm. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We pretty much already answered this one, but Kristen says, was this going on before or in the same time period as Dahmer? It was right in the middle. Dahmer was, I think he was active from like the late 70s or from the 70s through like 89 sticking in my head and and Robert Berdella was like 84 to 87 or 88 so it was Dahmer's time of killing people was longer and Robert Berdella's was kind of right smack in the middle of it 
Mary says, can you share some information on Berdella's previous criminal history before his final convictions? I seem to recall seeing a documentary years ago, can't find it now, that mentioned prior charges against him. Also, as far as this comparison to Dahmer, I think the details of Berdella's crimes were far too disturbing to release to the general public. The sadistic nature of his acts is not something that could ever be described on the 6 o'clock news. Right. As we were saying earlier, I think that that probably played into it a little bit. As far as his previous criminal history, it's weird. when you read about it, there's, there's again, there's stories of things that he did that don't involve actual documented crimes, like the animal torture uh, when he was at the Kansas City Art Institute. So those, you know, the, to me, that's criminal history. These, those are crimes that he was clearly committing, um, but I don't think he was arrested for it. He actually ended up, it, the only history that I was able to find on him uh, was actually drug dealing. Yeah, he was he, that same crowd that he had that he had gotten in with in college. He was helping sell drugs, and it was described as like a minor drug dealer. And he got popped and arrested for um, dealing meth or possession of meth at one point. And then a little while later, he got arrested for the the same with marijuana. Uh, and as far as I know, that's the only criminal history he had. Did you hear about any other criminal history? Again, just rumored. You know, there was, I guess, a couple different times where police would come to him about a missing person, about a missing male, because they had suspected that person of being with him. And and he would always have a way out of, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I was with that guy, but I dropped him off at the train station. Right. Or, oh, I, you know, and and that would be the end of it. Right. So, I mean, they I don't want to say that he was on their radar, but clearly, if that's true, they had talked to him several times about missing people. Right. Yeah. Or, or people, that, you know, where he was the last to be seen with mm-hmm. someone. But yeah, it just seemed like, you know, again, I don't I don't think that law enforcement put the effort into these cases. And I, I also think that's why Dahmer got away with what he got away with for as long as he did is because they were considered, you know, the victims were considered air quote undesirable at the time. You know, they were they were male homosexuals. Some of them were prostitutes. And so, they you know, the police were like, oh, we made an effort. We knocked on a door. He said he hadn't seen him. So we're just going to not worry about this anymore. Ari says, based on what you know about the case and the killer, do you think the men in the other photos were killed as well or not? Is there anything in his journals about these potential murder victims? There's nothing in the journals that I'm aware of. As far as whether they were killed or not, our thoughts, what do you think, Zach? I have a hard time coming to the realization that they weren't killed. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, It's hard for me to say that those gentlemen weren't killed and wouldn't come forward. I can understand your point on why some of them wouldn't come forward, mm-hmm. but I don't know. For me, it, it seems like somebody, one of those people would have came forward. So I, I have to believe that they were murdered. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just an interesting thing that tends to happen with serial killers, um, especially sexual psychopaths like this, where they go through an evolution and a, they, they'll evolve and then they'll tend to devolve where the, you know, the, the evolution start, you know, starts with cruelty to animals and then you know they move on to people and then eventually they get up to murder and then they start you know, be, that's when they get become serial killers, right? And they and they start to kind of perfect their craft, as horrible as that sounds to say, where they get better at, you know, for they're burying them in the backyard, and then they figure out, well, if I dismember them and put the trash out, and then maybe the first time he puts the trash out and it's stinking, and there's you know, and there's maggots or something around, and then he realizes, okay, well, I better wait until time it, so they go out right when the trash, you know, so they mm-hmm. they do this evolution, and then oftentimes they get to a point where then they devolve where. They they're so overcome with their desire to hurt and kill that they start making mistakes, you know, and so the the intervals 
between victims start shrinking and they start moving through victims faster and they start making mistakes. And a lot of times that's where they end up being. It's when they are, are probably the most dangerous and also when they tend to finally get caught is when they start to make those, those mistakes. So I don't know where Berdella was at in that process. So, you know, I kind of go back to the journal where he seems to journal everyone that, that he actually murdered. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, was there a point in the process when he thought I should write this down and start journaling? You know, and it could, it, that could very well be because as you talked about evolving, the, the cases kind of evolved, you know, right. they, they had a guy that he had for like 40 hours and right. they had a guy where he had for like kind of like 72 hours and mm-hmm. it became like a week. And then one of the victims was like almost 40 days. Right. So, I mean, maybe it did at the point that he started keeping victims longer. Maybe that's when he started journaling. It could be. And, and also to keep in mind, it wasn't just a journal. It was, it had a purpose. It, it, he was like learning from his mistakes. Like it read, um, I haven't read it, but from what I understand, it read almost as like a technical manual. Like I tried this mm-hmm. and this was the result, you know, like trying to find a way so they can't scream. You know, I tried putting acid down the throat and it killed him. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to do that again. And well, it sounded like a lot of almost like a, a log, you know, where he would log in right. exactly the measurements that he put in. And I think a log is a better description than journal. Um, yeah, because he was giving yeah medications too mm-hmm. to sedate them, and like you know gave too much, and this one died or not, you know. So it, it, it's hard to say when he started doing that, but that could have been part of that evolution where you know he's realizing after multiple victims that how much how much of that medication did I give that one? I can't remember. I should start writing this down. Or when he finally started killing people, that's when he did so. I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope that he didn't and, and they were able to get away and start over. But I mean, that's, that's a horrific thing to have to uh, deal with for the rest of your life too. So I, I, I really don't know. And then as far as like that evolution too, like to me, like I would expect the, when he began devolving, which he was probably getting close to, I think you would start to see where it's almost like nothing's good enough all of a sudden. It's all, it, people go through it with drugs, you know, where I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to try it. Now, this isn't good enough, so I need to step it up, and I need higher doses, and I need it more often. And they get to a point where they start doing different things in order to get a hold of their drugs. Where with this, I, I would expect to see, well, I want to have two victims at once, and I want to, you know, and, you know, things like that where they start, really start stepping it up. And I think part, and I think he was on his way there. It's hard to say where he was at with it with Chris because, you know, it was, he was keeping him longer. You know, he started keeping victims longer and longer, which is more and more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Chris was smart enough to convince him that he trusted him. And that's how he ultimately got away. Well, and I think that's it. He, he had the overconfidence at that point. Right. You know, because the, the narrative is exactly that, that he started, that Chris began to get trust from him and he would ask him, think, you know, part of the narrative was that he had his arms bound above his head. And he mm-hmm. asked him if he could move his arms because his arms were falling asleep. Right. And he moved his arms, which then enabled him to get, you know, to loosen the knots. Right. At some point, he asked if he could watch TV because right. the final four was on. And, he, you know, so little things like that where he was had the overconfidence of like, yeah, I can let this guy do this because I'm still going to get away with it. Right. Because that was my fantasy was to get my slave to do what I want. And this mm-hmm. guy's actually going along with it. Brian says, do you know how long it took for police to obtain a search warrant of Robert's apartment and if there was any other victims during that time frame? Thank goodness that guy was able to escape and stop this from happening to others. Yeah, it, it was the same day. So the, the process was, and I had to look this up again to verify, but the, the process was so Chris Bryson jumps out of the second story window, breaks his feet. He's nude, has a collar on, goes to a meter reader person who's you know affiliated with the police department. 
tells him what happened. They call the police. The police come, tells him what happened, and he says, there's pictures of other dead bodies. You guys need to go get this guy. And while, I believe while that's happening, while the police are there, Berdella shows back up home. And so in the process, and that's what we were talking a little bit about as far as I'm not taking it too terribly seriously, the police wouldn't go in the house because they said they didn't have probable cause, which, you know, I, I guess depends on how you look at it. It's, you know, you, th- you think with, 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 you know, the naked guy with the dog collar that's has broken feet and scarred and abused would be enough probable cause to go into the house. But so they had called in for a search warrant. Then Berdella shows up at the house and they ask his permission to go in the house and he refuses to give him permission. And then I believe if I understand it correctly, that they arrested him for the sexual assault of Chris Bryson. And then after he got arrested while he was in custody, the search warrant came through and they went into the house and that's when they found the journal and the journal led him to some of the remains that were found in the backyard and the other victims. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stephanie says, when will the next Bob versus Nancy Grace showdown be? And can it be Skyped live for a nominal fee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bob, when are we going to see this? You know, it's funny this this has come up. I'm, I'm right now trying to find someone to get on and talk about the Scott Peterson case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Scott and Lacey Peterson, very controversial case. He's in prison for her murder and the murder of their unborn child. But the the Supreme Court of the Supreme Court of California just they didn't overturn the conviction. But what they did was they it's a complicated process. And I've only just started looking into this. But the way I see it is so he appealed his conviction to a court. The court denied his appeal. So then he appealed that decision up to the next highest court. That next highest court remanded it back down to the lower courts. The same thing that happened with Anand Syed before his conviction was overturned back in 2016, where a higher court basically said, you didn't allow evidence in that should have come come in or whatever. There was some sort of procedural error in his appeal in front of your court. So we're remanding it back down to the court and saying, you need to hear his appeal again and under these different set of circumstances. And I think the appeal had to do with uh, jury misconduct or something like that. So, so his conviction did, wasn't overturned, but it was sent back down to a lower court to be reviewed again. But anyway, Scott Peterson case was the was was one of the big cases where Nancy Grace got her. I don't know she got her start, but it was a very popular case for her that she really liked to talk about, where she started her antics, everybody's guilty type thing. And by the way, I'm not I I'm not saying I think he's innocent or guilty. I'm just saying that was kind of her shtick with that whole thing, which is always kind of her shtick. But she would be a good one sort of to have on because she's so intimately familiar with the case. Mm-hmm. But we have a little bit of a history. <laughs> <laughs> also, just to be honest, I have a hard time respecting her opinion on things because I think that a lot of what she does and says, some of it's great, 
And some of it I think is heartfelt, but a lot of it is for what I experienced personally when I was on her show, as Justin and I talked about on the episode. It's all for show. You know, it's an act. You know, as a friend, and this is a little insider, but as a friend, we talked about this. And you talked about that that Grace and Abrams show. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to watch it because I was trying to be a good friend to you. Right. Uh, and I said something to you about it. I was like, it was weird. There was like five minutes of her talking and then you just appeared on stage and they didn't acknowledge you. Right. And then there was like another two or three minutes before they acknowledged you. And you said that's because what you had told Justin that you had came out and just immediately jumped on her and they cut all of that out. Yeah, they cut so, everything. So you just appear on the panel and they don't even acknowledge that you're there for two or three minutes on film because of the way it came across. Right. And I think that and the other part of it, or I think there may be some bitterness on her side, or she may not give a shit. I don't know. She probably doesn't remember who you are. Right. <laughs> but the, her show was canceled right after that. Mm-hmm. And that, now the previous episodes seemed seamless the way they were cut together, but they were kind of boring. You know, nobody was challenging her they, you know, a little bit, but then they would back down and it was a good discussion. And so when I went into film, they just, so it was a live to tape film. So it's filmed in front of a live studio audience, but it's, it's only, it's aired later. Uh, so they can do some editing. And they told me that I was the ninth episode to be filmed that they had done already three that week. I was the ninth one to be filmed. They dropped my episode as episode six. Hmm. And then the next episode was the season finale, episode seven. But the producers had told me they'd already filmed nine, and I think, they were, I think the order was for 12. So it was never came out that way, but the show got canceled. Mm-hmm. They canceled it in the middle of, the, the middle of their run. And I, I think it's because of the, the end result of that show because they edited it so much to try to not make her look bad that it was like a disaster to watch. You remember, Mike, you were there watching when we were watching it. And I remember you saying, Bob Ruff never stops talking in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see me like, and another thing, and then cut to Nancy standing in the audience with her. And again, that's not most, all of you listening know me. That's not my, my personality. But I was, what they had asked me to do told me to do was to engage and argue with her. They said that it, no, everybody everybody is is overwhelmed by Nancy and they won't argue with her. They were literally holding up a sign in the back of the room that said, Bob, jump in. And I was talking to people backstage before I went out and I was listening to her give her intro. And it was just, she was saying stuff about Hayes diary. Hay wrote in her diary that Anon was abusive and controlling and the, the, all this stuff, right? And I was, in the, I was backstage like, are you shitting? Like, None of that's true. Mm-hmm. None of that's in there. And the producers were like, well, then come at her. Come at her with it. I'm like, really? So I was like, okay, well, they want fireworks. I'll give them fireworks. But yeah, so, but then, it, it, I mean, because it got bad because she's like, oh, really? I was like, I was like, you have the diary right in front of you, right? Yeah. I said, show me the pages where it says that. Have you read it? Or are you just talking out of your butt? It was shit like that. And then she's like, yeah, I just got, yeah, it's, it's a, I'll look it up. I was like, good. You look it up and come back because I want to know where it says that. Anyway, but then you know we got along good in the in the breaks. But her show got canceled right after that. Don't know if that was why. I have my issues with her, and um, yeah, I'm kind of a dilemma. And and then on the fan page, when I put up a poll to see, you know, hey, what are, who are some podcasters you'd like to hear about about the Peterson case? Some people were like Nancy Grace, and other people were like not Nancy Grace. <laughs> I think everybody has a love hate relationship with her. So yeah, I, I've considered reaching out, but I don't know how that will go. I also don't know if I want to give her the airspace. Lauren says, is there a particular serial killer that has fascinated or scared you more than others? For me, yes. Do you have any, Zach? Mm-hmm. Who you got? 
I mean, mine, I would consider mine a serial killer, but maybe not a serial killer, but uh, the Unabomber. The Unabomber is one that's always fascinated me mm-hmm. just for years, just the way that he got away with it and how methodical he was. Right. And just living in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it. that's one that really fascinated me. It's a, it's a cool case to get into, and it's one we will eventually talk about mm-hmm. on the case of, you know, whether it probably won't be while it's on Truth and Justice, but it does look like we're probably going to spin that off for people that want to keep listening. We'll have that be a different feed. But, you know, I know Jim Fitzgerald, who was the FBI forensic mm-hmm. linguistic profiler that is the one that was responsible, you know, that helped catch him. And I definitely want to talk about it because it's, his behavior and his mental space that he was in while he was doing that is fascinating to me. And it's also very fascinating to me how it was just another brilliant mind that caught him, mm-hmm. you know. And so that one's interesting. For me, 100% is Ed Kemper, the the co-ed killer. Mm-hmm. I didn't know much about him before the um, docuseries Mindhunter. Did you ever end up watching that? Nope. So good. I watched the opening scene and I was done. Oh, it's so good. So good. But it got to me. The the man that portrayed Kemper on that series did a fabulous job and made him out to be very super interesting. And then I did a lot of research on Kemper and and he, for lack of a better term, nailed the role. Mm-hmm. His mannerisms, his intellect, and so it, it, the reason he is fascinating to me is like his IQ. I think he said like 145 IQ, like literal genius IQ. The guy is brilliant. He has that kind of classic surrogate victim thing where, you know, basically you know, he was he was triggered by he's obviously got some genetic disposition triggered by uh his mother growing up. And then, you know, they call him surrogate victims where he's killing people that kind of reminded him of his mother until he evolves to the point where he finally kills his mother, but just was horrific in the things that he did and just completely dead inside. Like, like talks about it openly. Like there's, there, there's sociopaths and psychopaths, guys like Bundy that use their wit and charm mm-hmm. to get their victims and to be able to get away with what they've done for, you know, for so many years. But then once they're caught, it's, you know, all about kind of getting out of it, trying using that same wit and charm to try to explain it away where Kemper never did that when he finally killed his mother. He finally, like, he he basically turned him turns himself in. Mm-hmm. He just told all the details, right? Yeah, all the details. And listening to the actual tapes of him doing these interviews with profilers that were trying to learn about him, completely nonchalant. Like, will very clearly explain what he did and why he did it, which helped uh, immensely helped the FBI's behavioral analysis unit understand serial killers and help them try to to catch serial killers because he was very clear about yeah. I did, you know, I I did this because of this, and you know, you know, without getting into graphic details, and he, he had some pretty heinous acts as well. Yeah, horrible. And this has nothing to do with it, but he was a massive human being, wasn't he? Yeah, big, big guy, big yeah. guy. Yeah, and, and and it's not in any way to like glorify. Like I'm not like, oh, he's really cool, but his behaviorally speaking, he's very interesting to me. And you know, the the fact that you can learn a lot about why I'm just always interested in every little thing. Some of the stuff we were talking about in the the pre-roll before the for the Patreon video uh, before this, there's like just behaviors. I'm like, I just I want to understand it. Like when someone's doing something that I clearly would never do, mm-hmm. would never even consider doing, and then but then someone's doing it and seemingly doesn't care that they did it, that they did it. It's it's so compelling to me that I want to know like what was going through your mind. 
why did you do that? And and the fact that Kemper then explains, oh, I did that, you know, like I chopped off part of the body because, you know, they thought I was doing some horrific act. It was because they wouldn't fit in the box or, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, for me, it would be it would be Ed Kemper. Didn't he do voiceover work for children's books, too? Yeah, I think. Yeah, there is something like that. Was it? It wasn't while he was in prison, was it? Was it before? There's something weird with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought it was while he was in prison. I'll have to look on my Facebook page because I posted it like five years ago. Yeah. The article. I, you might be right. I feel like there was something crazy like he was doing that while he was in prison. Not sure about that. But when we cover the Ed Kemper case, we'll, we'll dig into that deeply. But uh, yeah, insane case and, and fascinating person. That's what fascinates me the most about all of it is just the psychology of it. Which right. is, I think, why the Unabomber really sticks out to me. All right, and our last question comes from Courtney. Can we get a heads up on which case you'll be covering on Sunday? That way I've got a day and a half to binge a podcast. Huh. No, it's top secret. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. this Sunday we're going to have Miss Maggie Freeling from the Unjust and Unsolved podcast. It's a new podcast. I was actually on one of her early episodes. She did an episode on the Jamie Snow case. And and I did an interview on that. Uh, I think she's about six or seven episodes in right now. But we are going to be talking about the Ryan Ferguson case. But more the the focus is more on Charles Erickson, who was Ferguson's co-defendant. And she has an episode up on her podcast feed on Unjust and Unsolved, where you can do a little pre-listening before our conversation, and then uh, we get into it pretty deep, and we get to know her a little bit on Sunday. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedIntandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 per month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. 
And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach can be found at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. This has been Truth and Justice. Dude, I've been telling Mike that for years. It's kind of At cool. one point, I told him when we worked in the office together every day in the little bitty office mm-hmm. that was the size of this room. It I, was for two years, dude. Yeah, three years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Time flies. Three years working 40 to 60 hours a week in a room this size, both of us. And I told him, <laughs> so remember playing darts all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Which you got me the dart board because so I would stop throwing things in the studio. Yeah, because you... you 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 start start to get bored after a while, and then you got violent. Right. You remember know? the airsoft wars? You shot everyone with your airsoft gun. <laughs> right. I remember the all Steve the videos. Stabbed me with something. I think it was like a there was something you were throwing before the darts. Oh, it was just like a like a, was, a needle thing, skin piercing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah.